Welcome to the Blue Oasis Podcast. This is the podcast for finding peace and prosperity in your life, learning the history of hobbies, as well as making a little side hustle out of your hobbies. If you want to find balance in your life and find peace, this is your show. Get ready. You're listening to the Blue Oasis Podcast. I am your host, Adam Rothstein. All right, let's get to the show. Okay, and welcome back to the Blue Oasis Podcast. I am your host, Adam Rothstein. With me today is a special guest. It's Dom Einhorn. He is the founder and CEO of Unicorn. He is a startup guide. He is, uh, hold on, hold on. Ah, geez. Yeah. This, yeah, this morning is already off to a great start. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Is a serial entrepreneur with multiple startups under his belt. Uh, Dom, how are you? I'm good, Adam. How are you? I am terrific uh, right now. Okay, let's get into this. Okay, so give the audience a couple facts about yourself. I was born and raised in France. I am actually talking to you from the south of France right now, a small town called Sala. It's about two hours east of Bordeaux in the wine region. Uh, in my 20s, I moved to the U.S. I spent a quarter century in the U.S., uh, upwards of 25 years on the West Coast, uh, in Los Angeles in particular. And about two and a half years ago, I decided to move back to France and uh, to launch what is slowly becoming the largest incubator accelerator of technology startups uh, in the world. Right here in Sarla, a small town of 9,000 souls in the winter, but with 3 million tourists in the summer. Nice, nice. Okay. Um, so, um, how did you get started as an entrepreneur and, and, uh, your, yeah, I, yeah. How did you get started as a entrepreneur exactly? Uh, I was 23 years old, uh, when I decided to launch a digital, uh, marketing company. Uh, at that point in time, I did move to the U S it was in 1993 so I knew what I wanted to start when I left France for the U.S. Uh, I would say 25, 27 years ago now, it was quite a bit easier to launch a technology business in the U.S. than it was in France. Uh, today's, today, it's probably about the same. Uh, you know, you can just launch it pretty much anywhere. You know, we have ubiquitous Internet access, which wasn't the case at that point in time. Uh, but yeah, what moved, what got me started is uh, the venture go west, right? So if you look at the world map, I'd say, yes, the U.S. is probably located west of France. And I moved uh, way west uh, to the west coast, uh, chasing the new gold. Yeah, which was the internet business at the time. And I wasn't even born in 93. That should give you a, a taste of... There, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so um, so your current company now, Unicorn. Uh, um, any so for someone that's uh, just starting his 
entrepreneurial journey or just, or someone like me, uh, what um, advice uh, could you offer to me and uh, with your company and anything, uh, or is there any specific tip you could uh, give people like me or my listeners? Sure. Uh, I mean, obviously we're very specialized. We only, we only do tech. We do early stage technology companies that have a, at the very minimum, a proof of concept, whether they're in the B2C or the B2B space. Uh, at which point, if we like what we see, uh, we bring them under our wing or under umbrella, and we literally provide them with support uh, across the board from uh, legal accounting to technology and marketing. Uh, we clearly delineate within Unicorn the incubation stage from the acceleration stage. Some companies, most companies that we incubate uh, proceed through to the acceleration stage. Uh, the main difference is that if you go through the acceleration stage, you're typically more mature. You actually have a product or a service that's already on the market and uh, where you may be looking for customer acquisition services. So a good example would be a mobile app that we could develop in its early innings. And once it actually has a little bit of traction, uh, we move them into the accelerator. And the objective at that point in time is to, to grab market share to, and to generate customers. All right, all right. Um, one, okay, so we've got, um, let's see. So what qualities and qualifications do you look for in an entrepreneur? I, I said the first thing oh. I try to look for is passion and drive, right? And passion and drive for me go hand in hand, where you really want to make sure that whoever you're bringing under your wing, whoever you're providing, you know, you're basically dedicating resources to is equally motivated, if not more than you are. Uh, so, you know, along the same notes, I look for high EQ as much as I look for IQ, sometimes very often EQ is more important than IQ when you want to become an entrepreneur because you got to understand that you're going to get knocked down and you have to get back up and you got to stick with it. So, you know, resilience is definitely one of the first qualities I look for. Uh, then obviously we look for uh, what other investors and incubators look for as well. Obviously product market fit, uh, a great team, right? I'm not a big fan of solo entrepreneurs because if you intend to scale, you get to learn how to work with other people and surround yourself with a skill set that you do not possess, uh, a complementary skill set. So I, I think those are the key points we're looking for. So grit and drive slash passion, number one, a great team, number two, and then the typical metrics that you'd be looking for, product market fit, uh, viability, and actually uh, one important aspect obviously is because it's become so cheap today to start a new venture. It wasn't, it wasn't the case 25 years ago when I started. It was very expensive to launch a technology business at that point in time, but today it's very cheap. You know, you want to make sure that you're actually addressing a real need in the marketplace and that what it is you're building, whether it's a product or service, provides a response to that need. So you basically have to be a solution provider and don't build a business for the sake of creating a business, which you see a lot of them today. 
I would call them vanity businesses that, uh, you know, you, something you may be passionate about, but it doesn't really respond. There's not really a demand for the market. And ultimately, you need to address a core demand in the marketplace in order to be sustainable long term. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, for my listeners, um, could you tell them what EQ stands for? Yeah, it's basically emotional quotient the same way as IQ stands for intellect, right? EQ is, is the emotional part. Uh, and basically, you know, what you see is very often, especially when you have uh, teams that are driven by engineers, right, which is very much the case, very often the case when you're looking at technology startups, they may be extremely bright, but if they get knocked down, they may have a trouble getting, getting back up again. So there's a, this element of great hustle, right, that comes with it that needs to be very developed if you want to be a successful entrepreneur. If you don't have that skill set, no problem. Just make sure that someone on your team can actually provide that skill set to you. And ideally, you have a team that's very well balanced between the high IQ and the high EQ guys. And every so often, you get a guy or a girl that comes in that has both. And that's ideal. Yes, the perfect combination of... No, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. Definitely. Definitely. Um, how many startups have you invested in? I personally invest in roughly 20 startups, uh, not under Unicorn. I started before launching Unicorn. Uh, in Unicorn, as it stands, I'm invested in seven of them, uh, in which I was either the first check writer or I came in at the founding level with some joint investors. And I think one of the things that makes us different from other incubators is that when we bring in a team, we're invested in it, uh, both on the cash side and in terms of resources. The reason why that's important is because we put our money where our mouth is. And uh, what, what ends up happening after that is you have a lot more credibility, right? So if I go out and pitch my network of investors, uh, they don't even have to ask themselves, right? The first checkbox is there. Dom has invested in this deal and he's putting his entire team, his entire resources behind that deal. So they know I've vetted it. And for a lot of them, it's good enough to co-invest, right? So, you, you know, what I don't like about some other incubators is they may rely on uh, public money and they may actually get you started. But the heart and soul isn't necessary there. They don't have enough skin in the game. We do. Yes, we're very selective when we're looking at which deals we're going to incubate and accelerate. But once we're in, we're in as much as you are and sometimes more. All right. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I do want to get to um, one more question and then I will go into uh, the promotion of the show. Okay, okay. So what in particular do you enjoy about running your company? I think what I like most is the ability now that I'm a little bit older and the last 20 or 30 years, when you work 18 hours a day on what you like to do, you know, they tend to fly by. So for me, being 25 is like yesterday, but I'm 50 now. I think is the fact that I'm now able to see the forest for the trees and be able be in a position where I can really provide a lot of credible, tangible value to young entrepreneurs who don't necessarily have yet the experience. So usually what I like to tell young entrepreneurs is like, look, I cannot give you, I don't have a crystal ball, nobody does. I cannot necessarily tell you what it is that you should be doing. However, what I can tell you with almost certainty is what it is that you should not be doing. And that's sometimes a lot more valuable. 
So basically rely on my trial and error, right? Learn from the failures that I've gone through so you don't have to actually repeat them, right? So I, lo I love the mentoring aspect. And along with the mentoring comes the fact that when we decide which deal to invest in, which deal to support and uh, provide our resources to, is to quickly see where we can add value the fastest way possible, right? It's one of the first criteria we look at. Assuming a deal checks out on every single level, right? And passes due diligence, the very first thing we look at is how quickly can we add value to that deal aside from the cash that we may be investing in the deal? How quickly can we take that startup from point A to point B, C, D, all the way eventually to Z? And in that sense, we're actually about to have our first exit during COVID within the last 10 months of taking a company from incubation all the way to the public markets. The company operates in the AR, VR space and will be trading publicly in Canada and in Germany within the next two to three weeks. That is very impressive, I, I must say. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting set of circumstances. Obviously, one, uh, one success you know, doesn't uh, necessarily predict future successes, but since it's our very first incubee that's going from A to Z during COVID within a 10-month period of time, it, it certainly lends some credibility to what it is that we're doing here. Yes, absolutely. Okay, now I've got to get to the promotion of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like what you're listening to here, please consider donating to the show. There will be a link in the show notes that says click here to, to support the show. Um, so anything helps out, $5, $10. $500, anything that helps for the show, uh, please rate this show, write a review and uh, five stars on iTunes if you think it's worth it and uh, definitely share the show with a friend. And, uh, and remember, if uh, since uh, this is also a hobby podcast and you want to start your hobby, uh, also... Uh, just a friendly reminder, go on to Skillshare.com and uh, get your first two months for free and just learn about your favorite passion hobby. And, uh, if, you, and if you really don't have $100 to spend, uh, go on Khan Academy or something. But, but definitely go log on to Skillshare.com. Go get your first two months free and, uh, and go learn some new skills. Absolutely. And also, um, if you want to learn about podcasting, a little bit of editing, anything like that, uh, go to my website, rothsteinvoiceovers.com. Check me out there. I've got uh, one audiobook on baseball called Growing the Game. And I have a picture audiobook of The Three Little Pigs as well. And uh, just go and check out my products there. And if you need any help at all, you can hit me up in the chat box on my website. So once again, uh, head over to rothsteinvoiceovers.com. The link will be in the description of this podcast. Thank you. All right. Uh, yeah. So that was, um, that was something else. Uh, I'm getting pretty good at the ad reads. Um, <laughs> taking care of that. Um, 
All right. So um, going from France to the United States, um, uh, is there any difference in regulation um, that made it easier to succeed or, or anything? Or what are the pluses and minuses in uh, each country of starting a capital venture? Yeah, I think probably today you're probably going to see this playing field evening out significantly. But going back 27, 28 years now, well, I can't believe it's been 28 years. Uh, makes me sound very old. Uh, but at that point in time, you certainly had a huge difference in terms of accessibility to the internet, cost of doing business, cost of launching a business. Uh, matter of fact, in France, I couldn't have launched what I what, what I did in the in the early in the early 90s because simply the infrastructure wasn't there in order to get it done. Uh, you know, so fast forward 28 years, look, we're going to Mars. You could probably launch your business on Mars very, very soon, right? So if you're an aggressive entrepreneur, clearly we coined the term moonshot because we've actually gone to the moon. I think the next term we're going to coin is going to be a Mars shot because that's where we're going next. But basically what I'm trying to say is that if you truly have the DNA of an entrepreneur, you know, you should be willing to move anywhere in order to bring your project to fruition, even if it means going to Mars, right? But being an entrepreneur is not for everyone, right? Uh, it's certainly for a minority of people because you have to have those character traits that we've defined a little bit earlier, grit, resilience, the ability of getting up when you get knocked down, right? Those are some very, very important character traits that you need to have if you want to become an entrepreneur because knocked down you're going to get you're going to go through a series of failures i have my own philosophy about failures right you want to fail as quickly as efficiently as possible because that's cheaper than failing long term the worst thing to do is to not realize that you're on the path to failure so you have to actually measure everything that you do quickly iterate quickly pivot uh, and basically, at that point in time, each failure becomes a stepping stone to your success. Uh, most famous uh, anecdote in this arena would probably be Thomas Edison, who invented the light bulb, according to some or to many. And when he was asked, Mr. Edison, what made you succeed where so many others have failed before you? His answer was very simple. He said, well, I finally ran out of things that did not work. Right. So basically what he was saying is that I failed so many times that I actually ran out of failures and finally I had that success, but it only took that one success to making remember today, right? So don't be afraid to fail because in many cultures you have this stigma about failure. Oh, what are my parents gonna say? What are my friends gonna say if I do fail, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you have to graduate beyond that. You actually have to embrace failure what I mean by that is that you have to understand that in order to become successful, you have no choice but to fail many times until eventually you run out of failures and you're going to succeed. No matter what it is that you're doing, not only as an entrepreneur, if you're an athlete, if you're a musician, if you're an actor, if you're a painter, whatever it is you do, right? If you want to produce something grandiose, you have to get there. You're not just going to get from where you are today. You're not going to be able to jump from A to Z. You have to go from to B, C, D, E. Sometimes you're going to fall back to B and C, but eventually you have to move forward, right? And then you have to have that drive, that consistency that comes with it, that discipline, 
where basically what I do every night before I go to sleep is I'm asking myself, did I grow today? Did I make progress towards where I want to be five or 10 years from now? Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is, look, I'm actually fallen back slightly. I need to get back on track. And that's perfectly okay. That's perfectly normal. As long as your trajectory is upwards, right? Yes, you're going to have a little dance in the trajectory upwards, but as long as it's trending upwards, eventually you're going to get there. But it's a good drill to reformat your brain. And you ask yourself that very important question every night before you go to sleep. And then be grateful. If you can actually say, you know what? I made progress, incremental progress, 1%. Can we all, can we progress 100% from one day to another? The answer is no. Can we progress 1%? The answer is yes. And then you stack that 1% on top of each other, day in, day out, month in, month out, and you'll see where you go. You'll shoot to the moon. Yeah, definitely. And and what I do to uh, increase my, to get to that 1% every day is I have this journal, right? I And every single day I write down three things I need to get done, three things I'm grateful for, and three positive affirmations that just puts me in the uh, mindset of just getting to where I need to go. And, and, and it does feel really satisfying just uh, checking off. Yeah, it's uh, very good. I mean, there's one little, you mentioned one of them. There's a one great hack because we all have those little things uh, that kind of negatively affect us and, and our brains, right? Where let's say we have a little setback or a little failure and then we get, we have these mini depressions. What you need to have is you need to have this highly positive quote that you have somewhere in your drawer or on your wall or in your book that you look at, right? Because we all respond differently to certain quotes. So when you, when you, a quote that works for you is very simple. You see them everywhere. You see them on LinkedIn. You see them on uh, Facebook. You see them on Instagram, etc. Whenever you see a quote that really grabs you, like, oh my God, that's amazing save it, categorize it, right? And try to compare, try to note why that quote had an impact on you, like a visceral impact, so that next time you're in that situation, that's your remedy, that's your medicine, right? So if you're feeling depressed, sometimes, first of all, find out the reason why you feel a little bit down, okay? And then find this very, very powerful quote that's gonna suck you out of the depression vortex. And usually all it takes is read it three or four times, and then it becomes an affirmation in your mind. And eventually that skeleton will leave the closet. It will never come and bother you again, and you will never relive that experience, right? So that's very, a very powerful mind tact that you can use. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, baseball. Um, Hank Aaron had recently died, and then and the one quote that I go back to is from the Sandlot and uh, Babe Ruth, um, who picks up uh, Aaron's uh, Hank Aaron's uh, baseball card. Uh, he he says, you know, heroes may be forgotten, or heroes may may die. You know, or, all right, heroes may be forgotten, but legends will never die. Is definitely something I like to live by in that so it's uh, definitely so that quote was really being thrown around uh yesterday um on all the network uh television yeah. and 
MLB. So it's, so it's stuff like that, that, that keeps me moving. And uh, to my audience, I'll advise you to uh, just, you know, go find your favorite book, go find your favorite movie and take that, whatever quote um, is given to the main character or whatever the main character says to keep him or her moving is going to be your bread and butter. So that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, for many, many years, I had one quote that's not attributed to pretty much anyone, but that, that found very, very powerful that was on my that was on my desk, sitting on my desk. Uh, in my early stages of being a startup entrepreneur, where you get knocked down and uh, you have to ask yourself, right, this is pretty hard. I'm going to have to get back up. And the quote is very simple. And it's some of you have heard it many times before. It's winners never quit and quitters never win. Right. Yeah. And that basically was very, very motivating to me, kept me on track and just kept me on this path of resilience of like withstanding any kind of headwinds and getting back up, getting back up every time I got knocked down. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I've learned and so far, even though I'm new to this, I'm still just being as resilient as I can. And, and uh, just, and I just want to keep, keep going because yeah. I do see the path. Very few of us are born with resilience and with grit. It's something you yeah. develop over time, right? Yeah. It's not like you were born with a gene that says, okay, you know, I got tons of grit, I got tons of discipline, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you have to work it, Yeah. right? You, you, it's like anything else. You want to be proficient at something, it takes 20,000 hours of, of deliberate practice to be good. You want to be a top-notch ba baseball player, yeah. it may take 30,000, 40,000 hours, right? Get in that batting cage and keep baseball is a perfect example how many times you get a miss before you hit right and the idea is to get actually just reduce by a tiny fraction by a tiny percentage the number of misses before before you become a great hitter yeah and and going from let's say a 200 hitter to a 300 hitter is a very significant uh 100%. difference yeah yeah no question yeah. but it's um, it actually illustrates what we're discussing here very well because the majority of the time you're still missing Right. There was a famous Michael Jordan quote. I forgot. I'm, I'm going to not do him any justice right now. But basically what he was saying is that, look, even though people label me as the best basketball player, you know, that, that's ever walked the face of the earth. I missed more shots than I made. Right. So I had more failures than successes. Yes. Yet I was the most I still am the most famous basketball player to ever play the game. Yeah. And Wayne Gretzky with his, um, you know, you know, you will always miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And, yeah. and it's, and it's that that keeps me going because every single day I'm just finding these connections and, and doing whatever it takes to grow my email list. And, and yet I've, I'm still hitting the wall many times, but, mm -hmm. but it's, it's going to be moments like that, that are going to just make me think back. And then I'm going to teach, uh, my kids or, or whoever I may bring in, uh, when I teach, um, just, you know, I'll just tell him or her how hard it was and what steps they need to take, uh, when they do hit that wall. No, oh. That's, that's the best we all can do. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, we've got, we've got that we've got, um, so, um, every single, so, uh, coming up with the, uh, your team, um, was, 
did you have many disagreements? Were there any, was there anything that, that just kind of like made you like, just, uh, like, oh, I have to deal with this person and, or just for something that was really memorable, but you were able to persevere through that um, just bad team member or crew member? I think you're definitely going to have some of that. I would consider that as one of the obstacles you're going to have to overcome. It's not a matter of if that will ever happen. It's a matter of when and how often. You can take a proactive stance to make sure that it happens uh, the least often as possible by just being very, very solid about your recruitment, taking your time, and basically having a team that can also assess each person's contribution to the team, right? Because we're all humans, so we're, by definition, we're different. So you're never going to get along with everyone, right? That's a fact. What you want to make sure is that actually, even uh, if a person is different than you, you can embrace that difference. So for example, inside of Unicorn, we're roughly 30 people right now uh, as part of Team Unicorn, not counting the actual startups. The support team, roughly 30 people. We're from 17 different nationalities, right? So very, very wide spectrum of people from all walks of life, but they're all driven by the same motivation of seeing this project succeed, of, of providing support to startups and, and seeing them succeed, right? So you wanna make sure that even though you may be different and some people may think differently than you, which is always the case, that you actually set the goalposts pretty far and you make sure that every, every team member has the buy-in and is willing to do what it takes to get there. If you don't see that drive, if you don't see that fire, in that person, I would recommend you not working with them. I'm not strictly talking about being an entrepreneur and trying to actually achieve something grandiose, something extraordinary, right? One of my own quotes is you cannot achieve something extraordinary with ordinary people and ordinary effort. That's why it's called extraordinary, right? So if you're setting yourself on a path to build something amazing that's never been done before, you need amazing people. You know, Otherwise, you're never going to get there, right? That's just a given. You're not going to win... Uh, MLB World Championship or NBA Championship with ordinary players. You need extraordinary players. It's the same concept in business. Yeah, and and even still, you're you're still going to have your regulars as well. But you do need those. You need everyone on their A game uh, when you're playing yeah. Game Seven of the World Series. No doubt. That, that's one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And you can you cannot have you cannot have everybody sitting in the bullpen in the bullpen or on, on the bench, right? Uh, you're never going to get there. So you definitely, there's nothing wrong with actually having people that want to work a nine to five job. That's fine. But if you want to build a team, you got to, you got to understand that dynamic and understand that you're going to need individuals that are willing to go above and beyond the call of duty in order to become successful. Right. And the rest look, yes, they have a job. They're just doing their job. You know, they clock out at five or whenever the heck it is, but those are not the individuals you can rely upon to really, really become a driving force and move your business forward. Um, all right. So what would you say to um, anyone who is still working who, or who is working a nine to five and, and to just get in the right mindset of being an entrepreneur and, and just, just moving the needle to, towards their goals? That's a very good question. It's a difficult one to answer, 
right? I can give you a few case scenarios and maybe you can decide for yourself at that point in time. When I say you, it's your listeners. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you personally as well. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you're going to feel a certain itch. If you don't have the itch, right, don't bother, right? If, if you're just like saying, you know what, I can probably do better than that, right? I, I'm worth more. I don't feel that I'm, you know, I'm really you know, successful in my life that I can go beyond the call of duty, right? And I want to do something, then you have a few options. If you don't have, if you don't feel that inside your body, right? It's something visceral, something emotional, probably don't bother or wait until the time comes when you actually feel that. Some people feel it at age 20. Some people feel it at age 50. Some people at 70 or 80, right? There's no age limit, right? For being young. But assuming you feel that, this crazy energy where you say, you know what, I want to do something better with my life, something beyond that. Then you got to give yourself the means in order to do it, right? When I say give yourself the means, you have to weigh the pros and the cons of actually quitting what it is you're doing right now and just jumping head in or taking a more measured approach where you say, you know what, I'm going to save some money. Let's say I have a full-time job and I'm going to need some money just in case. I know I'm going to get you know, a fall down. And I'm going to save for the next year or two, and then I'm going to launch myself into an entrepreneurial venture, right? Don't jump in head first unless you have a full supporting cast around you that can actually make that happen, right? Because what will happen usually is you're going to get quickly disappointed where you're going to have regrets. Oh my God, maybe I shouldn't have done it, et cetera. And then you actually have this what I call the this vicious circle sometimes in, in that scenario of friends and family that say, see, I told you so. Actually, you shouldn't have done that, right? It's the last thing you want to hear, right? Yeah. You know, some people take that and actually turn it into an extra motivation. Uh, and those are, but those people are very rare because you got to be able to do it. That can just take that negativity and completely transcend it into something super positive that just gives them more and more drive or like, you know what? I'm going to prove them all wrong. But that's also the sign of a bona fide entrepreneur. If you feel that inside of you, then you are made to be an entrepreneur. If you don't feel it, just be careful, right? Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's a tiny percentage of the population. If I had to, this is not a mathematical equation or this is not scientific by any means, but if you ask me, you give you give a rough estimate as to how many people percentage-wise of the overall population that are cut out for entrepreneurship, I'd say it's less than 5%. Yeah. And now my mentor, uh, Jason Stapleton, he um, always talks about controlling the source of your income. And he also says that, you know, you are an entrepreneur, whether you realize it or not, because, you know, you are in the business of you. But even if, yeah, so even if the you don't go into go and create an actual business, you still just need to recognize that you are an entrepreneur and you should be elevating yourself every, every day as well. And, and perhaps it is fine to just work a nine to five job, but, but put yourself into a position where you're going to, you know, be, be better off uh, for years to come. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, personal growth matters to everyone, right? Whether you're an employee, whether you're an entrepreneur. So you definitely want to grow. If you feel better as an employee, you can become a much better employee, uh, earn more, 
uh, on every level, not just financially, and grow and really become a, a strong contributor, even in a startup, right? So it's very important to have great, great employees who will never start their own business. It's actually paramount to, to success. Uh, you know, so I, I couldn't agree more on that, on that sense, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, and that is saved. Um, now in, let's see, we've, we covered, we covered the France and the US differences. Um, um, so, and we've got everything there. Um, anything you want to um, add to anything else you any other tips you would want to give to my audience or? I think one thing I would mention is uh, the big event we're launching in October, the Startup Super Cup, in case anyone is interested. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, definitely uh, send me the, you can send me the link there. And um, yeah. do you have any uh, social media links or i can just mention them on the air if you want right now uh, but and sure, i'll, 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 I'll send them to you as a follow-up too uh, sure uh where can they uh, find you on social media yeah yeah oh uh no 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 where where can they find you on social media oh uh yeah link linkedin facebook linkedin is the best i'm the only dom einhorn there oh Oh, okay. And uh, you don't have an Instagram or anything I do. Inst I, I use Instagram as well. Also, Dom Einhorn. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. So just at Dom Dom Einhorn, and uh, your personal website is is it's uni yeah what? Unicorn Incubator for the for the incubator. It's Unicorn with a Q. UnicornIncubator.com. Yeah. My personal email is Dom at UnicornIncubator.com. Uh, LinkedIn, very active on LinkedIn under Dom Einhorn. That's D-O-M as in Mary, Einhorn, E-I-N-H-O-R-N, which Einhorn in German means unicorn. Yeah. No coincidences there. Yeah. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and I'm, I'm Facebook under the same name. Perfect. Perfect. And you can follow me as well um, at Adam Rothstein 3 on Instagram. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. Um, and... Uh, and I think that about that about covers it. Um, uh, so we've so one more thing before we go. Uh, what advice would you give to anyone who wants to get their message out there or just promote themselves? Not necessarily in an entrepreneurial sense, but just you know, just building that wealth, power, and influence for themselves. I think what you really, before you actually broadcast yourself to the world, what you really need to refine is your message. And this is something we're actually doing boot camps for, for startups. I would recommend strongly that you work on what I call your hook points. In other words, in the world of Instagram, Facebook feeds, YouTube, where people just scroll through everything and don't pay attention to much anything, you want to basically develop a one sentence story that represents you. And then given the permission of going beyond that, you wanna have a two or three sentence story and then a longer version. But you have to build this capacity of breaking through the clutter by being different. When you're being different, it doesn't mean that you just go out of your way to be someone else. It's actually the opposite. You want to remain at all times authentic. Build a brand, a personal brand that's very 
representative of who you are, but defend that brand and then build your communication via one-liners that stand out from the crowd. What makes you different? What makes you authentic, right? Uh, very often we talk about the elevator pitch. The hook point is something that's even shorter than the elevator pitch, right? So let's say you're going into a building and you walk into the elevator, you're first one in the elevator. In comes a person that you really like to connect with. What would you tell that person so that he or she doesn't turn around and walk straight back out? Or in the best case scenario, let's say she pushes level three to get on level three, she actually stays in with you because you're going to level 24 and then engages and has a coffee with you. You have to be able to build this capacity of instantly engaging via hook point, right? And then going from that hook point to a longer form about yourself. And that just, you can't invent that. You have to build it over time. You have to really word it the proper way. And that, you know, it takes time and effort. Yeah, and uh, and I have definitely uh, had my struggles with that. Just you know, just conveying the message. But you know, right now I have refined it, and uh, and uh, I'm doing whatever it takes to succeed. Um, thank you for being a guest on this show, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if once again, uh, please consider donating to the show. You can catch the podcast on all your favorite apps, uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, uh, Deezer. Um, you can catch it on Podcorn and as well, uh, whatever app you use, you can find me there on, you can find the Blue Oasis podcast there. Thank you for listening. All right. Uh, and, and nothing... And nothing else, uh, you're good? I'm good. All right. Uh, thank you.